Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Roughneck Dispatch. My name is Matt Phillips. I'm a crime writer in San Diego, and my book, A Good Rush of Blood, is slated for publication on November 1 of this year, 2023. I'm thrilled to have a running partner on this episode of Roughneck Dispatch. Uh, Joel, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Matt. My name is Joel Nadecki, and I'm a crime writer from Winnipeg. My first novel, The Broken Detective, was shortlisted for a 2023 Arthur Ellis Award, and I'm happy to be here. Welcome, Joel. Thanks for joining me. This is really awesome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. Um, So uh, I'm super excited for us to discuss a crime film today. It's a noir film. This one is a lesser known film here in North America, from what I can tell. Uh, It's called A Bluebird in My Heart. The film is directed by Jeremy Geza and stars Roland Moeller and Lola Lilan. I'm probably getting those names pronounced wrong because uh, I'm not French or Belgian. Um, It follows, the film does, an ex-con named Danny living in a motel run by a single mom and her teenage daughter. Uh, look, the performances are stellar, as is the story, and we'll get into all that in a minute. This one's a Belgian-French production, uh, from what I can tell on IMDb, and uh, it premiered at South by Southwest in 2018, which is a, a, a film and music festival here in uh, uh, you know the, the United States, down in Austin. Um, that's where the streaming horror channel Shudder acquired the film for North American distribution. That's how I found the film. I was surfing Shudder had a subscription and put the film on. Um, man, did this one uh, captivate me from opening scene. Um, like I said, we're going to dig into it a bit. But first, I think you, Joel, have a little known fact about the film that could really surprise listeners. You dug up some interesting stuff about the star. Yeah, you know, anytime I, um, that I watch a film, especially one that I'm not familiar with going into it like this one, I always want to look for, uh, I don't know, interviews with the stars or the filmmakers, just people like that. And in this one, the, the star Roland Moeller, who plays Danny, actually spent about four and a half years in a Danish prison. So he is from Denmark, and I guess he grew up, um, you know, in, in the criminal element in that country, got himself into some trouble, and he spent uh, a good chunk of his, his uh, younger years in jail. And while he was in prison, he did a bunch of writing, and his plan was to publish these notes as some kind of memoir. But what ended up happening is somehow these notes, I guess he was sending them out to different people. They got to director by the name of Tobias Lindholm mm. and Lindholm cast Mahler in his first film, which was called R. Coincidentally, it is in fact a prison drama. And right. then from there, Mahler's career kind of kind of took off. But he is uh, he is absolutely fantastic in this film. Yeah, he's very um, and we can talk more about it, but he's very precise as an actor and it really works well for this type of role because because he's so precise and contained when there are explosions uh from a character standpoint it really hits home yeah one of the things i noticed about him and i don't know if this is something he has to practice or if it's if it's just who he is but his physicality in the role like just the way he walks the way he he moves around a room the way he approaches a person there's there's a like a strength to it but like you said it's very measured and you almost get a feeling like 
like he he he's substantial in the room. Like yeah. he takes he's taking up space, but he's there. You know, he's he has a presence to him. Oh, he's screen, got he's got an amazing, it's awesome. Yeah, an amazing like physical charisma almost, and absolutely and actual charisma. But but yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. Um, so. Well, let me just kind of, I don't want to give away the film because it's a really great film and I really want people to see it. Yeah. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, Shudder is going to hate me, but you can uh, you can sign up <laughs> for a seven day free trial for Shudder if you haven't done it already, or if you have like multiple email addresses and watch a bunch yeah. of great film there. Um, and this one's on there still. Uh, basically, the, the film sort of opens, well, really we open with um, the young woman, the teenage daughter who he sort of... Um, well, we'll get to that too, but, but it opens on her. It's a scene with her on the roof. She sees him coming. He's walking across yeah. a, the, the street or the parking lot to this motel, which it comes out that it was arranged for him to stay here on parole. Um, he, you know, there's a whole, there's actually a really amazing quiet scene where he gets the parole bracelet put on his ankle yeah. in, the, in the early on. But, but to, to your point about Roland, uh, who plays Danny, when, when he walks into the motel, the opening scene is he's waiting at the laundromat portion, the laundry there. And yeah. uh, I guess it's not really a motel. It's more like a rooming house sort of place. But, um, and he's watching the the teenage girl. She's like doing some laundry and there's that little bell that you, that you ring, you know, and you want someone to come and he just, he reaches out. He's, he's super still, but he reaches out with his hand and he just slams it. Boom. Ding. Like super hard. And I love that. Like it really set the tone for who he is as a person. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I really love, but in, essentially to kind of recap a bit, something happens to the teenage daughter and what happens with Danny is essentially he has to, I guess, battle against the person he once was in prison and before, um, in a, uh, effort to serve justice to this teenage girl. So don't want to give too much away, but, but does that make sense to you as a, as a description? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, and I don't think he gave too much away there. Like it's a little bit, but that's that's not uh, the important parts. I, I think also as far as like Danny trying to escape his past, I think I think he feels a certain responsibility um, for the the character Clara, who is the daughter of the the rooming house owner, um, where. I think he's used to doing things one way for so long. He's used to settling his problems with, with violence. Right. And when this thing happens to, to Clara, he, I think really has to take measure of himself and, and, and figure out how he wants to deal with it. If he wants to continue doing the same things he's always done, if he wants to go down a different path or uh, how he's going to handle that. And it's, it's interesting to see how, how, what he decides. Yeah. And um, his choice sort of partway through the film impacts where the story goes from there. Right. Right. And he has a really good scene actually. And I'm going to just paraphrase it a bit, but where he's sitting with, uh, I think it's with Clara again, where he says something to the effect of, you know, sometimes p people do things and they don't always um, know why they do them or they don't understand, but it's just who they are. Sure. It's, it's something to the effect of that, right? Yeah. Where it's this idea that runs through the film. Right. Yeah. And so we should say that Clara's uh, dad is away and he's a, a con yeah. and he's in prison. And so the mom yeah. hasn't let her see him for a long time. So really right away, we see Danny as this sort of kind of like a father figure to her, not on, on his behalf, but on her behalf, she sees him as that, yeah. or she's searching for that. 
And yeah, he does. He says, I remember the line. It's like, you can't control who people are or what they do. It doesn't mean they don't care about you. And right. that moment for her, you could see was a real eye opener. Um, but you know, something you said that I really liked was this idea of responsibility. And it's funny because like, let me just say, this is a pure straight up noir film. It's a neo-noir. It works within that tradition. And I'm going to say a little bit more about the director in a second, because this is really interesting. But this idea of responsibility um, in noir films and books, stories in general, I think there's always this idea like it's very nihilistic and nobody cares about anything. I've actually found the opposite which is that it's this idea around being responsible for others and for one's own actions, um, maybe even for property, that that's where decisions arise within the story, right? Like I'm responsible for myself and what am I going to do about it? And so this ex-cons idea of responsibility and justice is, is maybe different than you or I, but he does have a clear sense of being responsible for things and others, right? I mean, I don't know if that's that makes for sense. For sure. No, it does. And there's another scene too that that just kind of triggered within me is two scenes actually. There's the one where, so he's out, he has to get a job or he doesn't have to, but he he, he should and he does as a dishwasher in a, in a local uh, restaurant. And there are several scenes where he's, um, well, when he gets there, the dishwasher's broken first. Right. He fixes it. And then he methodically goes through these dishes, cleaning them. Yep. He's using the machine. He's He's... He's cleaning up the space. He cleans the floor, the walls. Like he is meticulous. He cares yeah. is the way the way I see that. And then the second one is where Clara's mom, again, the the uh, the owner of this, this halfway house or whatever it is, where she asks him if he can fix this room. Yeah. There's a room yep. in the in the hotel it's where it's kind of broken, it's leaking steam. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he and it, through several passages, it shows him purchasing paint and then going through doing the carpentry doing the painting and there's these quiet montages because it is a noir film like you say where there's mm -hmm. quiet like stretches of quiet where a character smokes or yeah. looks across the parking lot or or fixes the the paint and there's just these moments where i feel like you can see inside the character a little bit to know what's going on within right. him that he does want more than just a criminal life whether he can get that or not you know, is the question. Yeah. And there's this whole idea running through the film of like, I think there's a scene too, where the mom asks him, you know, uh, and they're of they're we should say they're age mates. They're of the same age, like the mom and the ex yeah. sort of. And so there is this sort of, I think undercurrent of a, like sexual attraction there. That's really interesting. Yeah. But, um, she says to him, what are you going to go back home? And he's, he says, there's nothing but trouble there for me. And then she says, I yeah. think trouble found you here as well, you know, or, or whatever it is. And, and you can yeah. see that that, that moment for him is just like an opening of like, Oh man, she's right. You know? Um, and yeah, and yeah there's such, I mean, we can talk about the direction a little bit. I, I wanted to talk about the pacing of the film, which I think you brought up. There are these moments of really extreme, not extreme, but really measured quiet silence. And um, yeah. that really serves to pace the film, especially later, it's about, you know, halfway through when we start to pick up pace a bit, things start to happen that are violent <laughs> and very noirish. Um, but the mm -hmm. director, so I did a little digging too, because I got really interested 
and Jeremy Geza, I think is how you say it in French. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce Jeremy in French. I'm just not going to do it. Um, but he, uh, he is a pr- fairly young director, but he's also written, this would be interesting to you, both you and I, is he's written four noir novels in French. Uh-huh. Um, one of which uh, is translated into English and available. It is called Eyes Full of Empty, and I ordered it pretty much as soon as I found out. Um, looks really good, but he also directed... Um, Brothers by Blood. Am I getting that right? Let me double check that. Brothers by Blood, yeah, which stars Joel Kinnaman, who is oh, wow. is the actor from The Killing, and he's all you know super killing. Yeah, it was a great, great series, and he's amazing great. in that. But yes. he's a super famous actor now. But that film is yeah. one I really liked. I watched it about six months ago, and I didn't realize it was the same director. So, um, oh wow! But what's even more interesting is Brothers by Blood is an adaptation of a Pete Dexter novel. And Pete Dexter, I don't know if you know him, but he's a very famous, I shouldn't say very famous. He's an incredibly well-respected noir writer here in the U.S. Um, He wrote Train, which is just a classic of noir in the early 2000s, and it won the National Book Award. Um, So anyway, I think it's really interesting that, um, I mean, this guy is clearly like, this wasn't just a one-off film for him. I mean, he's a noir fiend, probably like us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. anyway, I, th- I, th- I thought the pacing of the film was just so measured and precise. Yeah, it, it really was. And even from, you know, the way the film looks, mm. it has a very um, authentic look to it but it's also like it doesn't take place entirely at night but there are a lot of just minimalistic scenes where the lighting is is limited where you're in enclosed spaces either a room in the hotel or that little dish pit where he's washing dishes or um, just a a small space where you you do start to feel a little bit even restricted and then at times in the second half when it does pick up um, where there is more movement and they go beyond the the uh, the earlier locations, then you do get get that um, that feeling of acceleration as you as you watch the story. Yeah. And so it's like that contrast almost between these quiet moments, and then you have sudden um, scenes of of intensity. Yeah. yeah, it's it's light and dark, right? And and then it's, it's, so it's like shadow and light and then it's like stillness and, and movement in, in a way that's, yeah. um, just, just very artful. Uh, I think that the, yeah, I really love the scenes. I mean, I guess in, in French film, they call it mise en scene, right? Where it's like, yeah, it's, um, you really feel that you're a part of this environment and you feel how claustrophobic he is in that dish room and how important it is for him to, yeah make sure it's clean. And like, he has to scrub the floors and the walls yeah. and same thing with his room, yeah. which is like a prison cell. But I mean, his bed is made, it's yeah. dialed in. Um, yeah. you know, we see that in multiple places throughout the film and yeah, I, I love that part of it. Um, I think probably, you know, a cinematographer would know which kind of filters they were using during those scenes, but it's a, there's like a bluish tint almost to the film, which, um, is just so fitting and and uh, and so good. How about um, Lola Lilan, her uh, performance as the teenage daughter? 
I, I had the feeling throughout and, um, I think film noir, I think noir stories in general do this well, where I call it like this feeling of impending doom mm. where you almost feel for these characters, like they are moving towards something that is inevitable yeah. in a way where her story at the beginning, like she's involved in, um, in drugs at the beginning and her dealers around a little bit and stuff like that, you know, and you just, or I had the feeling when I was watching, like, this is, this is going to go somewhere and it's, it's going to be, uh, it's probably going to hurt, yep. you know, it's probably going to hurt a little bit. Um, but she's great. Um, fantastic. And there's also like you, you mentioned the sexual chemistry between Clara's mom and the Danny character, but there's almost a little bit of, um, at least on her side, on Clara's side, it's kind of like she looks up to Danny, but in this, at the same time, I think she thinks he's cool. Oh yeah, you know, like she's like his dad, her dad, but at the same time, he's dangerous. He's new. He's there's exciting. an undercurrent he's been of depressing. yeah, adolescent. Like, is something going to happen there? Yeah, you know, yeah. but. It's handled really well, I think, in the context of the entire piece. And yes, it is. And also what I love about that is that he's the moral center of that, which really yes. kind, of, kind of turns, it's on, it, turn it, on, turns yeah. it on its head. And well, you, there's that scene where the mom says to him, you know, my, what she says, my daughter likes to play games, right? Yeah. And he looks at her and he says, I don't, I don't like little girls. I like women my age. And it's just a very... Yeah straight and matter of fact and there is no doubt that one that's reality and two she believes him in that moment and that was just such good acting and writing yeah yeah and throughout what i what i thought when i was watching this thing and i watched it in a couple different like pieces um but both times then returning to it the second day i thought like i would have liked to been on set Mm. and when he delivers a line like that because he says it like i like women my own age or something to that effect like the delivery of it is so um i don't want to use the word measured again but it is where like you you believe them you know like that line from a different actor or even even just spoken by a regular person there's a lot of you know i think it'd be it's a like you say that line it's almost one of those sentences you say and you don't believe it just because he even said it you're almost thinking like why do you have to say well if he has Mm. to say it is he lying but he delivers it and it's quick and it's short and as a viewer you're like yeah i I believe you yeah i he i I have so much respect for his acting chops and just and and the writing as well because you know i think a lesser director or a lesser writer would have just been like let's not have that scene and just like keep that as like mm-hmm. a possible like people are going to wonder about it. And no, that's not what the film's about. It's about responsibility. It's about taking responsibility for others, yeah. I think. And and you know how taking that responsibility in whatever way you do it, in his way it's it's violent. Um uh you know how that can impact your life and others' lives. Um so yeah, I love that about it. Uh, I was, I was going to bring up something else. Let me, I don't want to forget. Um, yeah, just the writing and directing is so good. You know, I, I'm trying to think I've watched it twice now. Golly, I don't think there's much music in the film. I mean, of course there's a score, yeah. but the sound, but there's no like wild tracks as far as like music over it. You know, there's none of that. It's just, um, 
Yeah, it's very atmospheric and you're really in that world. They don't do anything in this film to pull you out of that world and to make you aware that you're watching a film. Am I right about that? That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. No, I think you're right because like I can I can hear some of the um like the score in some of those moments we talked about already, the montage of him working mm-hmm. on the room, cleaning, just smoking a cigarette after work, taking the trash out. But I can't think of any actual music, like a soundtrack. And you do feel like you're part of Danny's world. I know I I felt like I wanted him to be okay. I felt like I wanted him to do well. I wanted him to make it, you know, even though he was was in prison, even though he was um, handling situations in in a way that, that we probably would say you shouldn't. Um, I, I did, I did root for him. I did want him to be okay. And I mean, and you know, well, he, it's funny because I, and I've thought this a lot about noir crime films in general and crime stories is like, yeah. Did he handle it right? Well, I don't know. I mean, when, when, how he handles it, which we don't want to give away, um, how he handles it was extremely, viscerally satisfying for me watching the film. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, I always think about like with characters in these stories and like the stories that, that we like to read crime stories, noir stories, movies like this. I always try to like, I look at this character on screen and I try to think where he's coming from. Like if he was, if I was acting that role, I would, I would make a whole like, we have no idea what this guy has mm. been through. Maybe he had to do these things oh, to survive. 100%. Maybe he, he, he was abandoned as a child. Maybe he grew up, who knows what happened to this guy where every fiber in his body is telling him to do mm-hmm. this thing. Every, like he has his own code. He has his own version of justice where he cares a lot about things like we talked about already, or he would leave the dish pit messy. He would not clean up his room. He'd leave the blanket on the he floor. He almost cares about he it cares more and he lot. takes responsibility. Because I was thinking too, yeah. now that you mention it, of there's a couple things where, so something happens and then the mom says, why didn't you call the police? And he said, why would I call the police? Yeah. Almost as if, or why yeah. would you call the police? He says, and it's like, because we can handle this. Like, you know, in the way that I handled it. Um, so that's part of it. Yeah. And then- you know, you could just tell this is a person who institutions have failed him at every turn or he's failed within the institutions. And so, you know, why would he turn yeah. to, to police officers? It's yeah, it's probably a combination. It's probably like a little bit like the actor. I, like think, the I would think actor, so. Roland yeah. Moeller. Yeah. As you get older, you, you get some perspective on your decisions, on things that have happened to you, on what's been in your control, what's not mm. been in your control. But for him, my take is any interactions he's had with police or authority in general probably have not been good. So for him to call the police, it's like, it doesn't even cross his mind. He doesn't say that again. Like he doesn't deliver that mm-hmm. line. Like he's, he's back talking her or something, you know, like he, he's not being sarcastic, nothing like that. He's just, he's asking. genuinely saying, why would we do asking? Yeah. Why would right. we do that? And she looks at him like, what do you mean? Yeah. It's the police. Right. But for him, he has a whole different, Yep. experience that he's bringing into this and he's and he, he took the like responsibility that. on himself which is different yeah. than like i mean if i see someone on the street you know here in my neighborhood robbing a car i'm probably not gonna 
it'd be very unlikely for me to run up to the person and stop them. Instead, I'd be like, someone just yeah. stole the car. And then I'm like going home and going yeah. about my day, you know? And so there, there's a real, I don't know what you think, but I think there's almost a real uh, valor to deciding mm-hmm. to, to take responsibility of, of, of that, of, of d- administering justice. I think so. I think there absolutely is. There's, there's a certain level of, um, of respect almost. I know that's the wrong word, but I, I do feel that for him as he decides to, you know, help this young, this young woman. And it, it happens in other places too, in quieter moments where he talks to Clara's mom about her yeah. husband and her husband. You, I think you mentioned it earlier that he's right. He's in prison as well. But in a subplot, a my, I'd say mm-hmm. minor kind of part of the story where he's getting out soon and and uh, the mother won't let her daughter Clara visit him. Um, you know, Danny, he, he kind of says, you know, uh, your dad cares about you. Like he tells yes. Clara, like, I know he cares about you. And and he talks to the mom about it too, but he, he knows, I think, what she's feeling, not having her dad there. I think in some way he... Maybe he hasn't experienced it, but maybe he's been on the other end of it sure. and he knows that loneliness, yeah. you know, something like that. But it was, it was good. It was, it was a layered performance and, um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, really like I guess it. my, you know, the hardest thing for me watching a film like this is, and you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the algorithms frustrate me, but you know, it's, I'm I'm like watching this going, man, why isn't this, did this have a theatrical release? And if not, why not? I mean, of course it, I guess it was right before COVID it came out, but a couple years before, but, and also, I mean, I love shutter. I think shutter is great. I mean, clearly they have tons of viewers and everything, but like, it feels like this film. And one of the reasons we're talking about it is that it should be seen more by more people. Um, yeah. And maybe because it's French, I guess, is part of it in the U.S. maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, a good portion of the movie is in English. Too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are parts that are in French, but that actually surprised me as I was watching. I was expecting it to be mostly subtitled, but a lot of it is in English. But I, I think it's um, much like you, I, I think – there is an audience for these types of movies. And I think part of why it doesn't get watched more is that people don't hear about them. They don't know about them. But I I do think people, if they have access to these types of movies, whether it's theater or a streaming service or whatever, I think, I think there's uh, there is an audience because it's a great film. Oh, it's a great performance. It's a fantastic film. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. um, Now I, I should say the next film he did brothers by blood that is on Netflix and that's where I saw it. So um, I think the director is very, very talented. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to reading his book and perhaps discussing that at some point in the future. But um, yeah, I, and it's also interesting. I mean, I don't know how it is because you're located in Canada, correct? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know the Canadian media scape, but, you know, for, for me, there is an increasing niche streaming ability so like shutter is a great example there are others like kino cult uh which is kino is a distributor of film but they have a cult film channel which is really cool um so that's increasing and i i really like it i know a lot of people want there to be sort of a catch-all 
for everything like how cable used to be or like max i don't know if did you guys go through the hbo uh streaming thing into max the max app okay so where they combined everything so it's like cinemax hbo and whatever and it was like i was fine with it and then i realized i had to update like my app and i was like extremely just against it i'm like no this is horrible (laughs) but point is yeah it's a little weird because now i'm like well i want to go to hbo and I'm not in HBO until I click another yeah. thing, but I really like Shutter because, and I know they're probably really a big media company, but it's like, it's, it's more specific, you know? And I, I really dig that. So I don't know. Is that happening yeah. there or has it not happened yet? Um, I, we, I mean, it is to a certain degree. Shutter is new for me. That's one that before this film, I, I hadn't heard about. Um, but I did browse on there quite a bit. And it's like you say, they, they focus a lot more on like the crime it's horror. and mm-hmm. they have some horror in there as well. Yeah. Quite a bit. But I like that idea too. I think, I mean, for, for us, for me, when I, when I'm looking for crime fiction, when I'm looking for mystery or noir stuff to have a place where you can get a lot of it and not just the well-known stuff, yes. too, get some of the, the, the lesser it. known material by people who either it's if it's a foreign film or like just a lesser known indie movie is cool, you know, and it just opens up that audience. Yeah, so and much it's, more. Now that I'm, we're talking about it, I'm thinking of books. I mean, I think of like your, your manuscript, the broken detective or some of my books, like, you know, it's so hard to wade through um, for, for readers, right. And media consumers to w- people who love story to wade through all the stuff that's out there. Like I, I really like, the idea of doing this for books and maybe someone's done it. I guess you do it by genres, but I'm talking yeah. about like really curated storefronts, you know, like, yeah. like, um, pulp novels set in the two thousands or something. I don't know. Like, that's not a good example, but I wonder if, uh, the idea could be translated to literature. That'd be interesting. So do you mean, do you mean translated as in, a hub, yeah. like a website or something where all this yeah. would be combined. Yeah. Something I, I like would that could think work. it could. I don't know. I, maybe not. Yeah. You know, like for, for me in Canada, Canada is, I talk about this a lot uh, with my students is like, we consume, if you look at everything I listen to, everything I watch, everything I read, I would say, oh, less than 5% would be Canadian. Really? I would say it's. Oh yeah. Everything I listen to watch, um, most of what I read would be from somewhere else. We just don't have, yeah, we have in Canada, we like in the movie theaters, if you want to see a Canadian Mm -hmm. film in Winnipeg, uh, you would have to go. We have one theater that is downtown. It's a super cool place in the art space building where the, the cinema tech is, where you could go see, um, like Canadian films, but otherwise everything we're getting would be, mostly American and then some foreign films mixed in there too, sure. depending on the, the size of the film. Yeah. But we, in Canada, it's, we view very little of our own culture. Actually. It's, it's uh very strange. Yeah, that that is odd. I mean, I, I guess in the U S we inundate yeah. ourselves with not our best culture. It's like tons of crap, which, so then it's sort of frustrating, yeah. but you know, I, I worked at a film festival for a number of years and especially like trying to curate short films it's really interesting because like yeah. places like Canada do fund filmmaking. Um, and then yeah. um, in Quebec, they have sort of their own funding. 
yes, Quebec has its own, its own film industry, industry yeah. and I'm sure yeah. literary industry. So that's a yeah. little bit different, but yeah, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't know that. And I would have assumed the opposite, but that's really good to know. Um, yeah. And I would say like, that's the average kind of person you can definitely, you like, have to you want to, you have to go to the film festivals. Like if you want to watch Canadian shorts, if you want to watch, you can mm. join the film, like the Winnipeg film group. You can, you can access there's stuff out there with great movies and quality, all that stuff, but yeah, you have to go get it. Yeah. The average young person or middle-aged no. person doesn't seem. Yeah. Much. And it's interesting. I mean, I think bringing it back to this particular film, which is called the Bluebird in my heart, a bluebird in my heart. So I can say it clearly. Um, it's one of those same things where, I mean, this one's French, so it's a little bit different, but like, I just wouldn't have found it had I not been that very niche viewer. And this is one that I just think so many people would enjoy. So I wanted to bring it up, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. We could talk for days about this. Joel, I appreciate you talking, uh, with me about this film. I want to end by, um, actually let's do this. What was your favorite part of the film? I'll go first. I'm gonna say what my favorite part of the film was. And then if I had to convince somebody to watch it, um, what I would say. So I think my favorite part of the film, this is actually pretty tough, but um, I think my favorite part of the film is the conversation he has with Claire and the, uh, with the teenage girl in the Chinese restaurant, the, you alluded to it where he finally tells her, you talk too much. So he's just having dinner. Yeah. And I think she actually takes his plate and like eats his food if I remember right. Um, so I, it's yeah. just, it's not funny in a way that's like laugh out loud funny, but it's charming and humorous. Um, and if I was going to try to pitch to somebody like to try to get like my wife to watch it with me, I'd say this is an incredible small cast, great performances. The pacing's amazing. And the film's an hour and a half and it goes by so quick it's a great way to spend your time so that's what i'd say what about you i would probably if i had to choose my favorite part and i'm going to uh kind of choose my words carefully here because i think there's two different scenes in the same spot oh with yeah the dog the dog yep and the first time they encounter when danny and clara encounter the dog and she's trying to mm-hmm. to pet him Right. And the dog, the stray dog just takes off running away. And Danny's like, what are you doing? Like this, this dog's not going to let you, let you pet it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's wild. This thing is wild. And just those two scenes together are my, my favorite. Again, they're not laugh out loud funny or anything, but they're kind of funny while at the same time, um, I think they push one of the themes of the film to this idea that you know, can a wild heart, some, somebody who's, you know, lived a right. certain way, can they change? You know, can they actually change? I won't give away what happens with yeah. it at the end, but that's that's one of the moments I love. Um, as far as my pitch goes, I think, you know, if if you love stories with, uh, with a damaged character who is hmm. looking for redemption, then you know what? I think you're going to love a bluebird in my heart. I do think it's kind of funny that two crime guys who probably write a ton of violence. I know I do, uh, picked sort of the humorous moments in the film. Yeah. That is funny. I mean, I look at the stuff I love and all of it has humor, um, and not gallows humor necessarily just like funny life stuff. So yeah, I don't know if it's the same for you. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's always a certain um, amount of humor, heart, um, humanity that you want yeah. in, a, in a story. Well, thanks for the conversation, Joel. The film for listeners is a bluebird in my heart. Um, you can see it on Shutter. Get that free trial. And I guess if you want to give them some money, forget to stop your free trial and start a new one with a new email address. Um, just want to uh, talk about this film. I'm really uh, stoked to have you here, Joel, and to talk to you. So hopefully we'll talk about another film or book in the near future. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me.